to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson. I'm joined on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how are you? Good, good and healthy. <laughs> how are you? Pretty good. Uh, it's you We're sitting here. It is uh, Wednesday morning right now, and about an hour ago, Miami sent out its uh, media policies for the start of training camp on Friday, so I guess this is really happening. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, there's just constant COVID-19 news. It's not going away. So we're going to get to that, I think, in the second half of the episode. There's a couple storylines uh, that have come out over the last few days that are, that are you know, definitely relevant. Most notably, I would say this morning, UConn decided they're not going to play this year. We'll talk about that in the second half of the episode. But um, because training camp technically starts uh, in 48 hours, basically, a little more than 48 hours, uh, we thought maybe we would uh, actually talk about some some football this week. Um, each of us, kind of, you, we're not. First of all, we're not going to really be able to see training camp, so that that's worth noting. But um, each of us decided to pick out kind of the three things we are most intrigued by, interested in. Some of it is questions. Some of it is just um, you know the the kind of characters who will define training camp and, and what they do in training camp will define how the season plays out. Um, so we've each got three of those. Um, Susan, you want to start with your number one most intriguing uh, plot going into this season? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think it's quarterback is the most important position on the team. And while it might not be the most surprising for sure, yeah. we, we all kind of knew uh, that D.R. King would be named starter. And, it, you know, I guess it happened last week officially. Um but I do think it's extremely intriguing when you've never seen him play yeah. for Miami, and um, and you know you don't know what's going to unravel or how it's going to proceed this year with the new offense, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no doubt, Derek King is you know one one you know one of the most exciting players in college football. Um, especially with the spread offense, he can run. It's hard to it's hard to catch him. He's very talented, athletic. Yeah. He's also um, pretty short um, for for a quarterback. It's going to be hard to see. I think uh, you know between those lanes, those passing lanes. But um, but he will be able to scramble a lot and get out of there. Um, and I, I think what's also intriguing is will. You know, we, David, we were all assuming that, you know, if Nikosi Perry was not named starter, I mean, this is a year ago. This is before any of the COVID yeah. stuff. We figured Nikosi would definitely um, transfer. But now, I mean, now it's just so crazy with, with, with what's going on that I don't, I don't even know how you do that. Yeah, I mean, I know people are transferring, but as a quarterback and – you know, the practices aren't the same, and you have to learn a whole new system. So um, I'd like to know how much will Nikosi get a chance. Nikosi Perry, who is a part-time starter before um, and, and the primary backup. You know, Tate Martell, uh, how much is he going to actually play, the, uh, you know, former Ohio yeah. State transfer? And uh, and you have, the you know, the new kids. You have the, the early enrollment. Tyler Van Dyke, who is supposedly very talented, but I don't think a 
I think he's more of a, a you know, pro-style guy. And then uh, Matoka Payton, who would be a redshirt freshman this year. Um, you have any thoughts on that? How do you think that'll happen if they actually play? Yeah, well, the interesting thing, and it's a morbid thing to think about, is we don't know how the coronavirus is going to affect the season. Like, if De'Aaron King gets sick and has to miss two weeks, then one of the backup quarterbacks has to play. And I think I've heard about this probably more from NFL teams. I'm sure colleges have talked about it too. Is basically the idea of like you're not going to have your number one quarterback and your number two quarterback interact that much um, in the fall right. because you want if if um, Derek you know contracts the coronavirus and has to sit out a couple weeks, um, you don't want it to. That's the position where you most cannot afford to lose. You know, a couple bodies. Um, David, you don't want to You don't want to get you. down to third string or fourth string. So, so you got to keep those guys. I mean, there'll be maybe a chance for him to get on the field, but obviously, that's not a way you want to think about it. Another question for you in this category before we move on to the next is: is uh, you know, with that being said, keeping them separate, does that mean that you can't at all mix and match offensive linemen? Do you have to keep a second team totally separate? You can't experiment. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Um, I think teams are obviously going to all handle it differently. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's going to be more like you don't, you know, quarterback is the one spot where you can really prevent that from happening, right? Like that is the one spot where one guy is on the field by himself. Um, so I think that's you, you can kind of take advantage of that and uh, make sure that there's not as much intermingling there. Whereas certain positions, like it's just impossible to – you know, keep keep guys from interacting closely if you're going to practice normally. Right. Um, but I, anyway, get, get, before we go on to the next, I just think it's pretty obvious if, if De'Ara King is as advertised. So we've seen him a few days and he looked good. Um, and, of course, we know his history and how, how excellent he's been. Well, you know, yeah. in, and, and the biggest story to me for Miami football this season, the biggest on-field story um, is the offense. Like, it's it's, you know, they've – They've really finally committed to overhauling the entire offense to, you know, even when they brought in Dan Enos and, and were changing up the offense, it was still, you know, the pro style, um, you know, kind of fundamentals just with obviously a different, different like underlying philosophies, I guess. Um, right. This is, you know, total overhaul. And obviously Derek King is, is the reason, you know, is the guy that's letting them in a lot of ways play a true, you know, Texas style spread offense. Right. Now what's the next what's All right. what do you want to my, next? My number one um is another player we have not seen play yet in Miami, and that is Jalen Phillips. Um five star defensive end slash linebacker coming out of high school, went to UCLA obviously, um, and had some injuries, ended up transferring to Miami. Um, you know, wasn't really sure if he was ever gonna play again but he was out there for the, the couple spring practices um the question for me is how does he fit in on defense where Miami has Gregory Rousseau at one defensive end spot a potential top five top ten pick and Quincy Roche at the other defensive end spot who's coming off an all-american season last year at Temple how does Jalen Phillips fit in and if he does you know, play his way onto the field, but that's obviously uh, very, very good news for Miami because it means they could have a potentially, uh, you know, like historically great uh, 
defensive end rotation when you talk about you know a top 10 pick another guy's a potential first rounder and has all american pedigree and then you know jalen phillips is you know the biggest i don't know if you 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 would think about him this way on a national scale because you know he's a defensive end playing at miami which is not a national title contender but to me he's kind of the biggest wild card in the entire country quite frankly he was the number one recruit in the country coming out of high school um and he just has not played for two years, basically. Yeah, and I think uh, the, the so important now. We keep we keep talking about coronavirus, but yeah. you need you need depth. And I, I mean, he might end up being you know the starter, yeah. one of the starters at end, Jalen Phillips. But um, you know, with so many question marks right now as far as will anyone opt out? We'll talk about that later yep. uh, in this podcast. You know, will anybody say, nope, um, nope, I'm scared, you know, of this coronavirus. I'm going to just sit out for this season. And, you know, that that could be Greg Rousseau, you know. Yeah. I, I draft eligible guys, Quincy Roche, right? Uh, and they're going to need all the – talented bodies they can get there's just no no yeah. two ways about it yeah. so um i think i tell you Jalen phillips he looks apart doesn't he i mean yeah he, I, I mean, it's, he, it's such a shame that this season's gonna be so weird because it would have been so exciting to see that defensive end trio um how they were yeah. going to manage that in a normal a normal setting so true but um i'm really i mean it's it will be exciting to see Jalen Phillips. Yep. All right. What's your number two? Um, my number two is the um, is running running back. Um, yeah. Who's going to replace DJ Dallas? Okay. I, I you know we're all thinking the name that comes up is Cam Harris, Cameron Harris. Um, and you know I think, but he's gonna he's gonna have. People pushing him. Right, I mean, yeah. I would say actually probably the more apt question is who replaces Cam Harris, right? Because if you assume Cam Harris is going to replace DJ Dallas at number one, it's who's right. going to be that Cam Harris that is, you know, in some games is probably better than DJ. Like they, Miami had a real two-headed, you know, two-headed monster. I mean, you know, neither of them put up crazy numbers or anything, but they had two guys they really trusted last year. Right now, Cam really is just one. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I think that's, going to be between Donald Cheney Jr. and Jalen Knighton, um, both South Florida kids, um, both, you know, just coming in now. Mm -hmm. And um, Donald Cheney uh, had a shoulder problem. I think he had surgery, yeah? I believe so, yeah. And, and, um, you know, he's from out of Miami, Belen, Jesuit, and he... He had over forty five hundred yards rushing. He's a, he's a bull, right? It's sixty yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, I mean he's kind of like um, your prototype, six one, six two, like. And a, and a total cane all the way. Yes. I mean he's you know just just loves UM, and um, but he but he wasn't there for spring, so yeah. we, spring consisted of four practices, so we didn't see him. Um, and and Knighton, um, Deerfield out of Deerfield Beach High, um. You know, also did did very well, e- even in the in spring and and the off season stuff. Um, and you know, he had over five thousand rushing yeah. yards. 
right? A Broward County all-time leading rusher. So um, he also has gotten rave reviews. So I think they're in um, they're in good they're in good shape running wise. You've got to keep those running backs healthy, man. I I, I say it every year, but something always happens to somebody or more than one somebody, and um, it's going to be very important to keep them healthy in every way. Yeah. You also got Robert Burns, who obviously injuries have been the, probably the number one uh, roadblock for him in his career so far at Miami. But, you know, he was, you know, after DJ got hurt, he had to play a little bit last year and handled himself pretty well. So, so they've got options there. Again, it's going to be kind of that situation where um, they've got talent. You got to trust that one of those guys is going to pop, right? And like, and be, be worthy of playing um, early on. Particularly those two freshmen, and you know those guys like like you said, they're not you know, Jalen Knighton for the last four years was probably the best running back in Broward County, and, and Don Chaney for the last four years was either the best or the second best running back in Dade County. So like, you know, they their pedigree is very much there um, to to trust one of those guys to to emerge as the guy or the the number two guy, I guess, behind Cam. Who's your next? Who's your next position? Um, next on my list, I have, uh, what's the offensive line going to look like without Navon Donaldson, who, um, I don't even remember, maybe it was in June now, who, who, who knows, but, uh, earlier right. this summer, uh, Navon announced he was going to redshirt this season, um, you know, obviously he's had an up and down career at Miami, really promising freshman year, has never quite recaptured that, he's played some tackle, he's played some guard, um, you know, he's had, he's had issues with his fitness. Um, he obviously had an injury issue that kept him out for spring. Um, and we don't know, maybe there was some issues with the progress there and he was taking longer to recover than anticipated. Um, but that was a guy that you kind of penciled in as one of your five offensive linemen. Now you've got to find that new guy. Um, you know, we, I think after Navon announced he was redshirt and we talked a little bit about what the offensive line could look like. You know, you've got Corey Gaynor basically penciled in at center. I could, you might even have him, you know, penned in at center. Um, you got DJ Scaife penciled in somewhere, um, but after that, it's kind of you know Zion Nelson was was pretty rough as a, a true freshman left tackle. Uh, Jakai Clark, the, you know, in the spring they seem set on moving him from guard to center, which is kind of his natural position. Um, you know, John Campbell is is an option. Um, yeah, so there's just a lot of question marks all over that offensive line. Um, they've got a lot more depth than they have in the past. Um, they, they recruited pretty well there. They have Jalen Rivers um, as a freshman who could be an option there. Uh, but yeah, it's that's definitely one of the places where I, I, you have least certain. You know, if you're trying to project what Miami's starting lineup is going to look like, offensive line to me still is the hardest position. To, to kind of list out who you expect the five starters to be. Oh, Jared yeah. Williams. Forgot to mention Jared Williams, so I guess he's penciled in. Definitely. He could play right, supposedly right tackle. But he, he was a right tackle, but he could play left tackle too. So he's penciled yeah. in at one of your tackle spots. Right, right. Well, I think it's. I, I think the question mark, I think I agree with everything you said. I, I do think the, again, the keeping everybody healthy and, and uh, you know, Garrett Justice, um, the new line coach mm-hmm. and Manny Diaz are going to have to have a plan yeah. for keeping those guys somewhat separate. I think 
or they're in trouble if they if everybody yeah. you know has to quarantine. I, I know I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but I'm looking what's happening yeah. around the country. So yeah. All right. Um, what's your What's your last one? Uh, my last one would be the uh, you know what wide receiver um, will step up, and I think that's probably uh, the other position to me where it's hardest to project who the starters are going to be. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Uh, every year we always have in our mind this guy's going to maybe will be a star or whatever, and somehow it, it, we've a been underwhelmed. Am I right? The last couple yeah, of years? I mean they have not really since Amon have not had a guy that like. Dominic. I mean, I guess well, KJ Osborne was really good last year, but um, yeah. he was a transfer. But they have not developed really a wide receiver since. I mean, and Amon obviously did not get to play that much because of his uh, career shortening injury, uh, career ending injury. Um, you know, they've got actually a lot of guys who have started games weirdly. Like, you know, Mike Carley, you could probably pencil in as your starting slot guy. Just, he's always kind of in there. Definitely. And, my, and, um, and, and the one... And then Mark Pope and D. Wiggins have both started games. But, like, th- there's no guarantee that those guys are your starters. Oh, I think D. Wiggins really... I mean, I think about him a couple seasons ago, you know, and he yeah. kind of dropped some balls. Yeah, as a freshman. Yep. Really, he really improved last year. Um, you know, a big physical kind of guy. I mean, I, I, I would think he should start, but Mark Pope, I, I'm not, I don't know. I have to, I know he's super fast. He might be great in this offense. Uh, he could really get away from the competition, um, quick, you know? Um, and he, I think he was a five star, right? But just, uh, we're going to have to see what happens with that. But I would think, Pope, Wiggins, and Harley are kind of the favorites to start. But yeah. honestly, I I cannot wait to see Jeremiah Payton. I mm-hmm. just I've been advertising him for a long time since he got there. I just think he's really, really talented and another uh, nice, strong body, um, and leaps really high. And I I also think uh, and he's a, he was a I guess a redshirt freshman. No, Jeremiah. Uh, he will be a redshirt freshman, I believe. Yeah. And then, and then the freshman, another Deerfield Beach uh, guy, Xavier Restrepo. Yep, they were really um, high on him in the spring. Yeah, I mean he's, um, I, you know, I love him on Twitter, and I, <laughs> and he looks really good on the field. He's yeah. very rah rah, really into the program and team, and he has a lot of heart and a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of excited uh, to see him play. Um, I think he's going to be really good. So um, I think, and then they have some freshmen. They have Michael Redding. Yep, who was hurt in the spring. And, uh, well, his wrist was wrapped yeah. a lot in the spring. Um, and then uh, Dezalin Warsham, yep. I guess, yep. uh, and Keyshawn Smith. I mean, they, they should have a, a really good group. You know, we, we said that last year and the year before, so let's see what happens. Yeah, they're really young there. I mean, we t- obviously you mentioned the three kind of vet guys plus Peyton, who obviously is a year in the program. Um, but after that, they're really young. So um, I, it's, that feels like a position where we could see a different mix of guys basically like every week. Um, Pope is the guy who has to step up to me. That he is, you, know, you hear the way that. Um, Rob Likens talks about Mark Pope and talks about the wide receivers he likes, some of the guys he has produced in his time at Arizona State. Like, Mark Pope has to be 
if they're going to be good, like really good on offense, they need him, I think, to emerge as, you know, he doesn't have to be like a number one pick or anything like that, but he's got to be a guy that looks something like the potential we all expected him to have when he came in. Yeah, and, and, and David, also, I, I don't know how many times uh, they're going to throw the ball. It should be interesting, you know? Or is it mostly yeah. running and every now and then throwing, you know? So, um, yeah, they're – We'll see what happens. Yeah, we don't know what the like roster or the uh, playbook's gonna look like, which obviously that's like an X factor too. Um, all right, last one for me. Um, it's the linebackers. Who is gonna replace Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinkney? We know one of their replacements. That's gonna be Zach McLeod. Um, but after that, it is a total unknown. Um, after so many linebackers missed um, spring football. Um, you know, Sam Brooks, I guess, would probably be the favorite. Um, uh-huh. You know, he, at the end of the year when Pinckney missed uh, the bowl game, Sam Brooks started um, in the Independence Bowl and, and was probably their best defensive player in that game, quite frankly. Um, you know, not, they'd say, I guess they had, the defense was fine in that game, but still. Um, it was obviously a game that a lot of Miami fans want to forget, but Brooks was a bright spot. Um I would say he's probably the front runner, but, you know, Corey Flagg, who's a freshman, missed the spring. Terry Austin Cave, who's a freshman, missed the spring. Um, Bradley Jennings Jr., who has had just injuries, really have kept him off the field for two straight years now, basically, or a year and a half. Um, Mm -hmm. He missed the spring again, and he's, you know, kind of the veteran middle linebacker who at one point was probably sort of penciled in as Shaq Quarterman's successor in the middle. Um, Wayman Steed, I believe, missed spring also. Another guy who's just had a ton of injuries – um, you know, Patrick Joyner is an option, I guess, at middle linebacker next to McLeod. Um, Avery Huff is a guy that I've always been pretty high on. Um, he had to redshirt last season for academic reasons. Um, but two years ago, I think he was the best linebacker in South Florida when he was playing at St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, it's just that that's another spot where it's just impossible to know what they're going to wind up going with right now. Um, I think it could be – I think you could realist – you know, McLeod I think is a lock, and then next to him I would totally believe you if you say Sam Brooks, Avery Huff, Bradley Jennings, Wayne Steed. Assuming those guys are all healthy, I think they all have a shot to, to be that starting well, linebacker. Well, Wayne Steed, assuming – Wayne Steed. Uh, we I have no think. idea with his health because he, we have not seen him in, in years. But he's still listed on the roster, so it's, it's not like um, – who was it uh, a couple years ago that they – John Wilder, right? Wilder, who they took off the roster eventually. Um, DeAndre, DeAndre Wilder, right? Yeah, he's I, not on I the think it's going to be Brooks. Yeah, I think Brooks is the favorite. Who starts next to Zach McLeod. Yeah. But, um, yeah, again, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. It's, it's, they, it hasn't been uh, great in that, well, you know, injury-wise. It's going to be that. a weird spring where, like, you know, normally we would be out there kind of making our assumptions based off what we can see at practice, but we're not going to be out there. Um, on on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, any day, we're not going to be nope. out of practice. So it'll be interesting how much they divulge about who ran with the ones, and you know, because they're obviously always cagey about. Even when we cannot obviously see who like the starting offensive line group is, you know, they're, uh-huh. they're cagey about it and being like, "Oh, we mix and match guys," even though it's like blatantly a lie. Right. <laughs> so true. So it'll be, we might have no idea what the starting lineup is, you know, come opening day. So, all right, let's take a quick break and we will come back and do the coronavirus talk. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, we're back. Uh, a lot of COVID-19 storylines still floating around college football. We wanted to kind of split the two because there is, you know, practice starting. We, we felt like we had to talk um, about the actual football, which is the stuff we actually like to talk about. Um, but there is just, you know, it's impossible. obviously going to be impossible to separate the football from the COVID-19 pandemic all season long. Um, and there were actually a lot of developments in the last, like, well, really, actually, even this morning, um, but really in the last 48, 36 hours, stuff like that. Um, biggest news probably came out this morning, and that is that UConn, which had been playing in the American, um, was going independent this year to get its basketball team back in the Big East, uh, canceled their season. They're the first FBS team to do so. Um, yeah. Pretty, you know, that's shocking i guess it's a, a wake-up call sort of you know uconn's obviously in a unique position where they uh had you know this conference tie forever and was it's a bad obviously a really bad year to try to put together an independent football schedule um when all these leagues are, are deciding to play um you know basically their conference only schedule as much as possible but um it is you know the, there's going to be teams that maybe involuntarily have to scrap their seasons, right? Like it's, it's not going to be the first time that we're hearing about, you know, teams. I don't want to say anyone's else is going to cancel because everyone's going to try to, I'm sure play as much as they can, but um, it's a, a reminder of just how much, how, how much this season hangs in the balance with oh, practices getting ready to start. Absolutely. I mean, it's just changing every day, every yeah. minute, um, you know, UConn already had had to cancel games against uh, four opponents. Yeah. Um, you know because because of other schools what they were doing, so everything's crazy. Um, um, they UConn said they did it in conjunction also with talking to the athletes, and that's a whole nother uh, you know like topic. The athletes themselves now, some of them are opting out. Right. Um, more and more every day. There's more. Yeah, today uh, Michael Parsons, I saw from Penn State, who was an All-American linebacker last year, um, yeah, you know, and, a, a, possi- yeah. a likely top 15 pick opted out. That's probably the biggest yeah. name yet. And, and, and David, the guys now are starting to come out, players, I mean, football players are, coming to, are starting to come out and saying that they've had the coronavirus and they were really, really sick yeah. from it. Um, and... Um, in fact, an Indiana player, yeah. mom, I think a, a, a lineman. Yeah, I think um, an offensive lineman. Feeney, 
Yeah, he, the mother went on, and then he went on uh, Twitter, and, or on Facebook, excuse me, and she talked about her son's 14-day ordeal, 14 days of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're saying now he could have heart-related issues. Yeah, I think the most undercovered story in sports right now is um, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's a, a, a very good pitcher for the Red Sox. He was kind of supposed to be their number two starter this year. Um, uh, is out for the season because he's has you know has had heart complications from coronavirus. Like it feels like that should be like the biggest story in the world right now in the sports and, world right now. Yeah, and they're and and the, and the young football players are coming out. I mean, that's an Arizona receiver. Uh, Jaden Mitchell is, um, talked about the virus being no joke, and uh, another an LSU defensive end. Um, I'm all I'm getting some of this from Ross Dellinger's article today from SI.com. Um, uh, LSU defensive end Trevez, if I'm saying it right, Moore mm-hmm. says nearly 30 pounds from the virus. Okay, he lost his sense of smell and taste, and he he wrote, "quote You can barely breathe." He wrote in a tweet, um, and people are the, the players are you know starting to kind of protest about it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, Rutgers now has at least thirty positive cases from players and staff, and I, I mean, this is going to be very interesting. As we've got a Vanderbilt kicker who just announced yesterday that he was um, bypassing the season, mm-hmm. and he said for the quote ethics of playing during a pandemic. Got it. The Arizona quarterback is opting out, and a guy named Kevin Doyle because of the risk. Um, and, and obviously you know, this all ties into what's happening in the Pac-12, right? It's players, um, you know, where the, the players have basically kind of like unionized basically and, you know, are, are threatening a boycott and trying to make demands got- of the NCAA. And this is the time you have to do it because – they obviously it's no secret that college athletes have have more leverage than they have used in their time just over the last whatever 20 30 years since college football has exploded into you know the biggest sport in America really the second biggest sport in America behind the NFL um maybe third behind the NBA also but like they've had the potential to do something if they could ever unionize or, or basically unionize like they're doing now, and and this is the time where, you know, they're running out of time because they don't want to play if it's unsafe, and that's the number one priority, obviously, for them right now. And and, um, you know, coaches and, and some schools have put their players' best interests at hearts. You know, Miami obviously has spoken. You know, we we don't want to assume that Miami is nefarious here, um, because you know their coaches obviously, I, I think, have said all the right things seemingly have done most of the right things, although obviously we don't know what's going on, um, you know, behind the scenes at practices and workouts and stuff. Um, but a lot of coaches clearly don't have their players' best interests at heart. And you look at what has happened to Colorado State over the last couple of days. Exactly. Um, with, and they're, they're doing an investigation. The Colorado newspaper yeah. uh, published the story yesterday saying that the football team was kind of revolting because uh, – uh, they, they mishandled the program, mishandled, and and were were you know the the COVID situation, yeah. and that they were kind of threatening players, uh, according to this the Colorado story, and a lot of it was uh, you know from sources who, who were scared to be identified, but mm-hmm. um, they 
threaten players with uh, less playing time or reduced playing time if they quarantined and they were uh, kind of a, not telling the truth supposedly about contact tracing um, to, so they could keep the, the players uh, uh, practicing. And yeah. then the, uh, I guess yesterday the, the president of Colorado State uh, came out with a, a, let, a long letter, a public letter, saying that they're, they're starting a, uh, an investigation mm-hmm. right now. I've launched an investigation into the concerns raised in the article. Uh, it will move quickly, and I will transparently share the outcome with all of you. And then she says, the, the CSU president, nothing is more important than the health and well-being of our students, nothing. So now they're doing an investigation. This should be really – I, I mean, you, it's hard to believe this will not touch Miami in some way. Well, so I'm just – I don't even know if I should say wouldn't touch Miami because, again, we don't want to assume that there's, like, nefarious stuff. But it's hard to assume that Colorado State is the only school, even if they're the the most extreme example of a school right now mishandling this and, you know, clearly, like, not respecting their athletes. um, It's hard to believe that there's not other schools out there. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. I didn't mean that it's hard to believe that the University of Miami isn't doing something shady. I didn't didn't mean that at all. But what I meant was this whole situation with players, you know, pushing back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole thing, it's hard to believe that someone, that there's not going to be a story of somebody saying, I'm not playing. Yeah. It'll be really impressive. Yeah, I think when we talked about this, um, we definitely have talked about this on the podcast before about, you know, does Miami have players who are going to opt out? And I think when we talked about it, this was probably months ago at this point, we kind of both said Greg Rousseau was probably the most likely just because he's a guy who, you know, if he never plays another down of college football, he's going to be definitely like a top two round pick um, and potentially a top 10 overall pick or something like that. But I think I think you might also see guys drop out just because they're worried about the coronavirus. Like I think we were thinking about it the wrong way when we talked about it, um, whatever two months ago, three months ago. Like guys might just opt out. Be you know, where obviously you know you're not only seeing superstars opt out. You're seeing guys who are just concerned about their well being and concerned um, that the schools are not going to handle this the right way. Yeah, but I I I, I think it's a combination. I don't. Yeah, think I mean it's just- definitely a combination. Like. I think like a Quincy Roche, the defensive end, uh, transfer from Temple, who's a, who's a you know grad transfer, mm-hmm. right? I don't, I I you know he's one also that's highly rated and could say you know what if they do get sick, uh, they're you know then when's the next draft? They've got to like they they don't they don't want to get sick and they want to be ready for the draft. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you could also see, and I don't want to name any specific names because I don't want to like create any speculation that guys might opt out. But like, a sophomore backup cornerback might be like, you know what, I'm worried about this, and I'm gonna be able to play next year. You know, if I opt out this year, it's not the end of my career. Um, yeah, like there's gonna be other factors that that go into it, and I I think you got to think of it as more than just like who. Uh, isn't going whose draft stock is not going to be affected by it for this upcoming year because guys can opt yeah. out at any time. Um, and obviously it could, you know, we saw like with the Marlins um, right after this outbreak happens and, you know, 18 players get the coronavirus, Isan Diaz opts out. Like 
players, you know, you're obviously hearing a lot of stories now as training camps are about to start. Um, right. But it's going to happen all throughout the season. Maybe not in Miami, but it's going to happen across the country all throughout the season. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. We keep saying it, and it's true. Yeah. Um, another That's interesting it. thing for me, I think you had one thing also, um, but another news story today, the Big Ten put out its schedule for the year. Um couple interesting things in there. One, uh, they moved up the Ohio State-Michigan game, which seems to be an indication that, uh, you know, we want to make sure we get that game in before this season has to get canceled. Um, but also, the more interesting thing there to me um, is the Big Ten is uh, mandating twice a week testing. Um, I think I actually saw that also in Ross Dellinger's feed, but I'm sure a lot of people have written about it and tweeted about it. Um, apparently Tulane did that all throughout workouts. It cost the university, I think, $100,000 a month. Um, so it's, it's expensive. It's an expensive undertaking. But, um, you know, we talked about it last week, I guess, when we talked about the ACC's plan that once a week testing, it, it's great. But, um, you know, you got to yeah. test as much as possible. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, yeah. I mean, during the season, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that's enough to tell you the truth. Yeah. And um, um, I, I think uh, I, I did want to just, in closing, say that I talked to uh, um, UM, the UM oh, yeah. president, Julio Frank, who is yeah. the former Minister of Health for Mexico, and he's, he's a physician and, um, you know, public health, I mean, that's his thing, right? Yeah. So uh, I talked to him and I was kind of shocked that he, he said that he thinks or he emailed, I emailed him, we emailed back and forth, mm-hmm. and he said that, uh, he believes that uh, that UM will have a successful season on and off the field because they've demonstrated great discipline since returning to campus. Um, they understand their responsibilities to each other, to the fans, the community. I look forward to seeing them play. I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not completely buying that, like, all, all is sunny. You know, mm-hmm. or like the glass is totally full kind of thing. But um, obviously, you know, the ACC came out with their thing, and they're going to try to play. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be very tough. And I think because of that, UM is trying to figure out now. They haven't really told us how they're going to do practices. Yeah. Um, we'll talk to Manny later in the – Manny Diaz uh, by Zoom later in the week. And we'll see. We'll see if he tells us what their plans are for practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, the SEC, the, and I think in closing, I, I did want to say that the SEC, um, I think yesterday, I don't, they've come out with a, a preseason plan that is more like that is more like a spring kind of thing. Twenty twenty hours a week, no more than twenty hours a you know, countable hours a week as far as practice goes. And they must take off two days each week. Mm-hmm. And I know fall, it's very hard to have days off in the fall. You know, they go, go, and go. And they're going to do do it, uh, you know, to- totally different. I think they're going to try to social distance and all that stuff. And I don't – the walkthroughs have to have no equipment, no football, no helmets, no pads, um, and uh, I think they're going to practice 25 times over a 40-day period. You know, 
But again, my, my whole thing is how do you social distance, David, and practice for a real football season? How do you do it? How do you? I don't think you can. I think that's the answer. I think the answer is that's impossible. Um, And that's going to be why, if this season fails, it's going to be why. Because it's impossible to keep the coronavirus out. And once the coronavirus gets in, it's impossible to keep it from spreading, I think. Obviously, we saw it with the Marlins and the Cardinals. Um, Once it gets in, it is hard to contain. Um, I I think it's yet to be determined. We still don't know. Yeah. It's going to take uh, a lot of... Uh, responsibility from everyone and um, it's going to be hard on a football team where there's 100 kids and you know 40 staff like that all it takes is it doesn't even take one person slipping up it takes one person going to the grocery store at the wrong time or right. standing you know in, in the CBS line behind the wrong person like it's yeah it it's going to be really hard to manage um, hopefully it works and oh. at least for a little while we can pretend like it's going to work um, because uh, we're, we have football practice starting this week. Yeah, three nights. They told us that the first three practices are going to be nights. I think most of them are going to be nights till till and if and when kids get back on campus. Yeah. So, uh, we'll we'll go from there. We'll it'll be the night 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 practices, and it'll be very late reporting. Yeah. Um. So stay up late, guys. Yep. All right, uh, we will be back next week, I guess, to talk about the uh, start of practices. Um, So until then, uh, we will uh, talk to you guys later. All right, take care, everyone, and uh, be healthy.